In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Senoritas and senoras, welcome to another edition of El Gross Chronicles. I am Ron Kulik, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, perhaps New England's own Van Helsink. With me, that blonde bombshell all the way from East Bridgewater, Runway and Kerrigan. Wow, wow. I think you've been drinking my wine. Whew. Drink my wine? Yeah, whatever. What an intro. Buenas noches to you. Well, you hable? <laughs> oh, excuse me? You hable? Hable? <laughs> not really. Whatever. Not since, not since high school, but I have a basic knowledge. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not going to get you far. Yeah, this is true. But anyways, then, uh, what have you been up to there out in uh, the East Bridgewater Triangle? Oh, my goodness. Working, working, solving problems, cleaning up messes. Wah, 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 yeah, wah, wah, wah. That's what I do all day long. Yeah. Clean up everybody's mess. Okay, there you go. That was exciting. <laughs> On that cheerful note, yeah. I just hey, we actually had, uh, We had a great, great, great uh, <laughs> show yesterday on... Uh, Ghost Chronicles International, uh, and if you didn't hear it, then go to the archives or iTunes. I don't know if it's up yet or not, but you got to check it out. It, we had uh, parapsychologist Cal Cooper and psychic medium Barry John, and Laura Wister was with me as, as well. And we had this great conversation about parapsychology and uh, what they believe in. And, and, uh, I don't know, it's really... It goes into pendulums, go into everything. It was really a great discussion. I, I really enjoyed myself. That's awesome. Got a little bit heated, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, it was heated? Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Ah. Oh. But, hey, that's what it is. And then last night, uh, I reunited with my uh, the Queen of Pain, uh, Maureen, for a uh, special edition of my Paranormal Discussion Group, The Circles of Wisdom, and we talked about uh, the role of mediums in the paranormal, so... That was kind of cool, too. We did all little medium tests and psychic tests and stuff. It was, was kind of cool. That's very awesome. I'm glad to hear that you guys got to do that together. Yeah, we're again. dabbling again. That's great. Very mm. awesome. So, yeah, let me ask you this. Yes? Yes? Do you know... <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to tell you rather than ask you. Do you okay. know there's not enough hearse in hell? There's not enough hearses in hell? Yep. 
And why are you telling me this? Well, I just thought, you know, this is a paranormal show. We should keep up to all the macabre, the mystical, the magical, and so forth. But evidently, a automobile automobile club in Hell, Michigan, attempted to break <laughs> the record for the most number of hearse in Hell, and they oh. fell shut, unfortunately. Uh, with, <sighs> so there were not enough mm. hearse in Hell. As, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you that next time. You will know. Oh, there my you goodness. Go. Where is, now, where is hell, you said? Hell, Michigan. It's outside of Detroit. Hell, Michigan. And it's got to be hell if it's outside of Detroit. Oh, uh, sorry to all you people in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> How many people actually live in hell, Michigan? It can't be a very big place. What am I, the mayor of hell? I don't know. Uh, uh, sometimes I think so, but maybe yeah. not. Uh, if you're here, you're not in hell. Yeah. But I don't think I'd like to live in hell. I don't know. It might maybe, be nice in hell. Maybe I already am. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We really don't know, do we? No. It's going to be that matrix, matrix, matrix thing again, you know? We're out in the uh, matrix and whatever. The and matrix listen, of hell. If they're out in Michigan, yep. it must be a pretty cold day in hell in the winter. Ha, ha, ha. Get okay, it? leave the jokes to me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have, we have a great show tonight because... We'll get, we know. got a guy on the show that's coming on shortly who I've been dying to talk to for a long time. He's kind of been you know, off the radar a little bit, but uh-huh. I always found him the fascinating person, even though I didn't even know him. So figure that one out. Uh-huh. Uh, but as you know, we have many new features that are coming to the show, and I, I know next week we're going to debut uh, Cemetery Tripping. <gasps> awesome. Yeah. Do we need a hearse for that? or? A... Yes. Yeah, yeah we roll right but, up to the cemetery in a hearse, right? There you go. And, uh, and uh, of course, Beyond Bizarre is going to be a regular feature each week. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're adding a new feature as well. Is We have my good friend, parapsychologist, Dr. Karen O'Keefe. Ooh. And he's going to give us little tips about the paranormal. So why don't we roll that clip now? Very cool. Hello, I'm Dr. Karen O'Keefe. I'm here to talk to you about ghost tech all of those high-tech gadgets that you use to measure the environment in a haunted location. When you get your first environmental piece of kit, what I suggest you do is read the manual. It sounds obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. And then, before you go into a haunted location with that particular piece of kit, I suggest you actually just walk around your own home. If it's an EMF meter, get used to the different EMF fields around you. If it's temperature, then get used to using it in different rooms. If it's, uh, for example, a spectrum analyzer and you're listening for sound, get used to the sounds around you. Whatever you do, whatever the piece of kit, get used to using the piece of kit in your own home. It's almost like you're doing a baseline test before you go out to a haunted location. So essentially, you're doing a baseline test in your own home before you go out to a haunted location. Also, in a way, you're practicing with that piece of kit so that when you do go to a haunted location where it really matters, the measurements that you're getting, you know that you've got a genuine anomaly because you've got used to it in your own home. Okay. Hello. Did that end abruptly? That kind of faded away. Yeah. I blame blame, uh, Viking. (laughs) I blame Viking, too. (laughs) Ha, ha. I don't even know the poor guy. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not much to know, trust me. <laughs> anyway, 
Okay. <laughs> Without further ado, that can, I got to have to look into that because I don't know if we lost something or what. But uh, you yeah, know, I should listen like to those before I pass them on, and that would uh, be probably a good thing. Oh, uh, that's but, a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so why don't we bring on our guest? Without further ado, he is a gentleman. He is one half of the Johnson brothers. <laughs> he is Kyle Johnson. Hey, Kyle. Hey, I'm here for you. And do you? Uh, do you have someone else with us, or is it just yourself right now? I have Dina Palazzini, uh, founder of the um, Beyond the Veil Paranormal Research Team. Uh, she's just in the next room, and I can invoke her at will. <laughs> I, I'm, still, I'm still laughing from your uh, banter and diatribe about uh, Michigan, uh, hell Michigan, you know, outside of Detroit. What am I, the mayor of hell? What is it now, you know? Wow. You know, Kyle, I, I've always had a great respect for you, and, and I don't even know you. you, but you know, but I always consider myself a pretty good judge of character. Thank you and very much. I first uh, saw you, you were the demonologist on season one of The Ghost Hunt as a part of TAPS. That's and correct. Now, before we go all to that, but now you're, you're, uh, the, the latest thing you sent me, you are tramping through the woods and caves looking for a roadie. <laughs> So how do we get the transition from a demonologist on TAPS and now a cryptozoologist in, in uh, whatever, in, in Rhode Island, evidently? <laughs> well, uh, the basic purpose of, uh, of my studies are to research anomalies, things that are different. Now, that encompasses a very broad field. I don't want to be li limited strictly to spiritualism and demonology. Right. Uh, I'm so sure I'm yeah, in that this, list. Right. This is quite a departure, and it was only because I spoke to an eyewitness about this, uh, this cryptid, this creature, that has actually been seen in Rhode Island. Before that, I didn't know there were any Bigfoot sightings in Rhode Island, at least not for the last 30 years. And then I met uh, an actual eyewitness, and in truth, it is Dina, my partner Dina, and she has, uh, she's actually seen this thing, and she was not alone when she did. And then I really? found somebody else did. Yeah, and somebody else, and their descriptions are so cogent and so detailed and so, so strikingly similar that I began to take it seriously. Now, when she took me to the spot where she saw this creature in Rhode Island, I, uh, I just wanted to see, you know, like point to with a stick. I asked her, you know, to the tree, how tall was this thing that you saw? You saw it at dusk, so you got a good description of it. Uh, then, to my amazement, we found some tracks that I just could not identify as, as any animal. And uh, I allowed for um, distortion from weathering, uh, like if a muddy footprint had expanded, but this was dry, hard soil. And then we have found these tracks again and again. Other signs, too, that this thing still is in the uh, region, at least seasonally. Hmm. So, uh, so I began a serious research and investigation of this, uh, this cryptid we call Big Roadie. It's a play on the... <laughs> The nickname for Rhode Island, Little Roadie. So we right. call this Big Roadie. So where, where in Rhode Island, Carl, are you? Is, well, is well this area and before we, get into, well, before we get into this, this Roadie dude, um, <laughs> I, I really, you know, Carl, I want to learn a little bit more about you. I mean, I, I, sure. I, I, we will talk about the Roadie and the other stuff, you know. But, you know, seriously, I mean, uh, you and your brother, you were both the demonologists. I mean, first of all, I mean, how did you get into the paranormal to start with? How did you become a demonologist, and then what was the transition to roadie? So, I mean, that's kind of what I would like to hear from you at this time, if it's okay with you. That's fine. No, you just, you just lead the conversation. I'm sure we've got many, many topics to, to run through in this hour. Right. Um, I uh, first became involved in, and interested in paranormal research 
in my mid-teens, uh, there was some paranormal phenomena in my parents' home, and I wanted to find out what really causes this. What is a ghost? What is the substance of a ghost? Lost spirit, uh, trapped in between dimensions? I didn't. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know how to answer that question, so I started to research and record uh, what was happening in the house. And I could say the demonology found Keith and me. Uh, we joined a paranormal investigative team in uh, at Rhode Island College. We weren't students of the college, but we were approached by uh, by some of the student body who were running this paranormal investigation group. It was Pyro, Paranormal uh, Parapsychology Investigative Research Organization, and they approached us, asked us if we'd like to join, because through word of mouth, you know, we met them at a lecture that was actually given by Ed and Lorraine Warren, the pioneer oh, yeah. ghost hunting wow. couple yeah. at Rhode Island College. So we were invited to join group Pyro, and uh, my brother put an ad in the paper, uh, a local paper. This was before uh, Internet usage. So he put an ad in the paper asking if anybody had a haunting, and uh, we were contacted by someone in Harrisville, Carolyn Perrin, who had a, um, a, a very strong haunting in her house, a lot of uh, definite activity. And it turned out that our first full-blown investigation was a demonic case. It had all the criteria of being demonic. And then we were the next year we were contacted by somebody who had seemed to have a case that was demonic, inhuman, and uh, it just seemed to found us to find us. And as as the late Ed Warren said, uh, once you enter the field of demonology research, you, you can't go back. It keeps calling you, and uh, that seems to be borne out because uh, ever since then we were contacted by people who who had a case they didn't know how to handle or a paranormal investigating team did not want to approach it. So we would be called in as the the so-called experts, and it it just seemed to find us. So uh, we garnered experience in the field of demonology, and that's basically what we handle now. We specialize in demonology. Do you have a religious background? Yes, Christian. Uh, I've been different denominations at different times, but Uh basically, you know, Christian based on uh, what is taught in the Bible with some interpretation, of course. Right. Um, so I'm not affiliated with any particular denomination at this time, okay. but uh, you know I, I do recognize the divine authority. So and, you, uh, do you can still consider yourself a Christian now that you've that's been so many years ago? Yes, I'm sure there are some people that would not consider me a Christian. Well, I mean, that, you know what? Now it doesn't criteria, really matter what other people think. No, it's it really what you believe. I mean. Now, not when I'm facing something that's uh, uh, challenging in the arena of demonic assault. It's, it's important that I'm sound with my own exactly. theology and my own beliefs. So, right. Now, that's how, I, that's how I really began as a, as a demonologist. I didn't set out in you know, my mid to late teens saying, gee, that's what I want to be, a demonologist. Because <laughs> well, you know what? Know it seems, it seems that way today, though. There seems to be so many people that are calling themselves demonologists and running around. And I don't include you in that group, Kyle, because I know that you've been around for right. as long as right. I can remember. So, yeah. uh, But there, there are so many people that that, that's, that seems to be the fashionable thing to become a, a demonologist. Yes, well, the name uh, is, is interesting in itself. The very term demonology gets gets people's attention, and it seems more interesting, more colorful, more challenging, and more dangerous, so it will attract people, but it's not a a glamorous role by any means. It just (laughs) basically means you handle the cases that a lot of other people won't, and it's always going, no matter how much experience I've garnered over the years, it's always going into the unknown, approaching uh, unstable territory, and I learn as I go along. Every case is different 
and in some ways, every case has similarities to the uh, to the others. Okay. How do you when you're 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 out there in the field and in dealing with you know whatever entity demon you're dealing with? How do you protect your own self? Now? Well, I make a resolution before entering a case, before even researching the case, that I'm not going to let it throw me. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to rely on my own fortitude, what strength of character I've gained over the years, and also prayerful protection that I'm not going this alone, that the angelic power is stronger than demonic power. And these, of course, are are archaic terms, angelic, demonic. It sounds like we're back in the Middle Ages, but we don't really have scientific nomenclature to apply to this. So I I just make a resolution beforehand that I'm not going to let this overwhelm me, because if I lose confidence while I'm assisting uh, a resident or family, then they're going to lose confidence. Somebody has to come in and, and show them that they're not backing down against right. these darker forces. So right. I, I'd make that resolution before becoming involved in a case or, or when I'm initially contacted about a case. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, your, your brother is also a demonologist. Now, do you yes. find that connection being twins uh, that is an advantage to you in strength and uh, that connection? Actually, I, I like that question because I well, see, I do. I do. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it, to me, it's interesting that Keith and I, it still has my attention that Keith and I uh, both uh, are, have this calling and pr- pursue uh, demonology as a discipline. Um, but I can rely on him, his expertise. I consider him my mentor in many ways, and I uh, would like to think he relies on my judgment in some cases, which which he has, of course. So, yeah, we do draw from each other's strengths. Now, we don't often have an opportunity to investigate together, uh, but when we do, we uh, we have a common goal, and we seem to work very well together. Now, Keith is more what I would describe as a religious demonologist. He takes a very fundamental Christian standpoint. I try mm-hmm. to I try to enter into... Uh, into resolving a case with a with more of a psychological profile. You know, what are the unresolved conflicts? What's happening here? Uh, did these people have any uh, any psychological maladies that, that have been diagnosed? Or you know, what's really brought this thing in in the first place? So I tend to take more of a not that I have any medical degree or training, but just going on experience. I try to interview clients and take more of the psychological approach, where he's more of a fundamental religionist in his approach, but our procedure is the same, and we both incorporate prayer and rely on uh, divine intervention to a degree. Mm-hmm. Should I get that phone? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. That's, you know, you know, th- you think about hell, Michigan, well, that's the phone call from hell, you know. <laughs> oh, God, I do get them all day long. <laughs> if, if it's for me, tell them I'm busy right now. <laughs> yeah. The funny part about on, on last show, we were supposed to get... Uh, Telephone calls from the dead, uh, but we ended up sidetracking. But so we're actually going to go back on that another time. But anyways, um, so in the early days um, with TAP, you guys worked together. So I, I'm thinking in that relationship where you were physically together working, you must have been at least uh, perceived to be stronger than uh, than separated. Does that make sense at all? Or? Yeah. Yes, it does because uh, there is a. There's a psychological and spiritual connection here be- between Keith and me, and uh, you know, not that we agree on everything right. every time. Of course, well, we you don't. Shouldn't. But uh, 
You know, we were actually we're essentially one person that was split in two. Uh, as I like to say, uh, heck, we were zygotes together. You know, we were like <laughs> fer- we were a fertilized egg together. So of course there were similarities, and sometimes I don't even perceive how many similarities there have been in our lives until I look back and say, wow, we follow some similar paths many times. And, yeah, I think we are stronger uh, as uh, together becoming a whole. And as I said, I don't often have that opportunity right. to work with him. Not not as often as I would, but when we do, right. Right. In, in the early productive. days did. Yeah, when we do, yeah. it's productive. And, of right. course, we had our tenure with TAPS. Keith and I were members of the Atlantic Paranormal Society with Jason Hawes and Grant's Will, Grant Wilson for eight years. Mm-hmm. And on the show Ghost Hunters for the first two seasons. Yep. And uh, that was an enjoyable time. You know, we we both left of our own volition and uh, yep. pursued other avenues of investigation, but I sure don't regret my time with TAPS at all. No, I don't it's regret fun. it either. I, you know, I used to watch it back then, and uh, I, I enjoyed the shows with you guys on it. Yeah. Well, now, you, worked, you also worked with, I know you said you went to the lecture by the Warrens, but you also worked with them? I did. I did some investigating and some lecturing, actually, with uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. That was a... That was a golden era. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we went on any demon-busting cases together, but uh, <laughs> you know. But I did learn from them, and uh, they were an inspiration. I would mm-hmm. watch Ed and Lorraine lecturing, and I'm sure Keith will uh, w- would chime in on this and agree that you know we watched the Warrens lecture and saying that's what I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, go into the darker. The darker elements research the more uh, malevolent cases, not for the thrill of it, because you know it's it's not a thrilling avocation. But uh, somebody has to get in there and help people when they're at their wits' end. And I want to learn all I can about this discipline. And that that goes back to when we were 17 years of age. Keith and I were at that lecture at Rhode Island College wow. watching Ed and Lorraine Warren. And of course, Ed passed away uh, five years ago, as of August 23rd. Uh, Lorraine Warren is just clairvoyant, and she is still very active on the lecture and investigating scene. Right. So she she keeps busy. Uh, Lorraine, I believe, not to give anything away, I believe she's my mother's age, 85, but she's got more energy than I do a lot of times. <laughs> she gets out there. That's awesome. She's a crusader. So uh, eventually you guys uh, went your own way and, and pursued your own careers. Yes. Um, I believe that uh, Keith is still with um, Ghost Sunier, and he does a, a small cable access TV show as well, and he's written he a does. book with his wife. Uh, and, yes. and you've been kind of quiet. I mean, you feel, I, I'm sure you've been doing stuff, but you've just been below the radar. And Somewhere, uh, yeah. I was so happy that I was able to get a hold of you because, and now I find that that you're involved in several things, including this new roadie project. Yep, the cryptozoology project, mm-hmm. and it is a departure, but I like doing it. So I don't see anything in the rule books that say I can't investigate a Bigfoot too. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever see the creature, but I want to do as much research and uh, you never know. much evidence. Oh. Yeah, well, I could get lucky. That yeah, would really well, scare you could me. manifest too. You could think positive there, Kyle. I'm, I'm you will see it somehow. You I will see it. I did have a frightening experience. I was out there with several team members. Um, well, it's been nearly about three weeks ago now, and uh, we were thumping on a tree with a branch, and uh, we heard something that I can only describe as an elephant walking on its hind legs, which I've heard. <laughs> wow. 
circus environment. And that's, uh, that's what we heard. And that was truly scary. You know, we heard something approaching. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was. I tried to rule out a, uh, a deer, a buck, rubbing its antlers against the tree. I mean, nothing else could really do that. It was too loud for a human being. And it was just thumb, thumb, thumb. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the minute vibrations of the soil. And it's like, I think we're done here. <laughs> Emma, this was night. This was 10 o'clock at night by that point. Right. And, you know, but I got to feel that, that thrill, that fear, which is, which is a first cousin to, uh, to excitement, you know, right. that thrill of discovery was, yeah. you know, boy, we've got something here. I can't say what it is, but it's scary. So that was a, a rewarding experience, actually. And, so let me uh, ask, Kyle, let me ask uh, you this a little bit. I, I know I'm kind of interrupting, but... Oh, um, please do. How, when you, let's, let's look, how would you compare, for instance, when you do a paranormal case or a ghost case or a demon case, Versus a, a roadie case. Do you use the same equipment? Uh, are there, you know, what what are the differences between the two? Well, it is quite a difference in that when I uh, am on a, a ghost hunt or a paranormal investigation, even one that has demonic leadings, I'm not too uh, feared for my safety. You know, I'm not really concerned. I, I take it seriously, but I don't expect I'm going to be thrown downstairs or anything. I am I am cautious. The equipment is basically the same. It's what we have. Anything that can measure changes in the surrounding environment. Although uh, one thing I don't bring into a, a Sasquatch hunt is an EMF detector that can detect fluctuations in the surrounding electromagnetic field. I, I don't know if that would be useful. I don't think it would. Certainly bring a camera and audio recording equipment. Um, but it's it's a different feeling altogether. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. The... Um, the hunting for something that uh, is physical, at least some of the time. I don't know if these creatures are interdimensional, but that is... And, and a Sasquatch, by lore and by people's accounts, is not supposed to be harmful to humans, except when it is. You know, there have been some accounts <laughs> decades ago, but... You know, suppose I get the rogue one who doesn't follow the rules. You know, suppose I get, you know, like, suppose it has youngins around. And and also, when you're out in the woods, especially when it's in the uh, evenings, then, you know, you get everything from skunks to oh, potential yeah. bears coming down from New Hampshire. It's a, it's a whole different environment. So I would say it's more challenging to go out looking for a cryptid, mm-hmm. even though I don't. Okay, we'll have said, to talk about really a little bit more it. after the break, because we do have to take a break right now, believe it or not. Okay. So you are listening to Ghost Chronicles, the next generation with Ann Carrigan and Ron Kolick. And our very special guest today has been Kyle Johnson. And we'll be right, well, I guess, I I guess, I can't hear the beats. they got to bring those beats up. <laughs> the music All right, here. we'll be back after the these, whatever, messages on Tojinet, Ghost Channel and beyond. All right. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown. 
Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com. Happy Halloween! <laughs> And we're back. You're right. You I heard the heartbeat. I heard Yes. That. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles, the next generation with Ann Carrigan and Ron Kolick on Tojinet Ghost Channel Beyond. Uh, the very special guest today is Kyle Johnson. And if you want to join us in the Tojinet chat room and have a question for him, please chat away. Or you can call in at 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. Nine. Cal, before we get started, why don't you give out your website and all that pertinent information before I forget? Certainly. The Work in Progress website, having gotten all the bugs out of it because we're totally redoing it, but the, uh, the link to our website is www.beyondtheveilparanormal.com. So you just got the keyword, sir. Of course, uh, Beyond the Veil Paranormal. And... Um, I could also reach me personally through uh, one of my several emails, and um, I check them every day. So the best way to reach me is through carcosin at live.com. That's C-A-R-C-O-S-A-N at live.com. Easiest way to get in touch with me personally. And then, of course, you know, I can... uh, I can pass that on to team members. I can any questions, share them with uh, fellow members of Beyond the Veil Paranormal. Do you have a Facebook page? Uh, I do have a Facebook page. It's just under uh, Carl L. Period Johnson. Okay. But uh, I haven't yet. I'm behind the times. I haven't yet registered with Facebook, but we'll have that up and running soon. But I do have cool, a Facebook page where I can right. receive messages. So just you know, just entering a search for Carl, and I usually use my middle initial because it narrows things down. Carl L. Johnson and Facebook. What's the old name for? <laughs> Leonard. Oh, I'm cool. named after my paternal grandfather. There you go. Uh, I was my actually looking name is Leonard. I was yeah. actually looking for you on Facebook today. So <laughs> now I know we have the L. It says yeah, I'm you. around. Well, actually, I'm around. You, weren't you looking for Carl Anderson? <laughs> that can make all the difference. And? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Carl Johnson, not Anderson. Yeah, because oh. Johnson is such a uh, ubiquitous name I put in the L, too. Yeah. Very good. And I'd like to say hello to my, my very good friends, our very good friends, at Oracle Paranormal Research and Investigation Society. Okay, cool. PRS. Yeah, they're uh, Greg Best is the founder, and um, they've actually been assisting us with the uh, cryptid research, the uh, Sasquatch hunt. 
And they have uh, twice investigated Slater Mill's site in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, my place. Oh, I forgot all about Slater Mill. And now you actually work there at times. Yes, I do. I'm an interpreter tour guide there. And um, I'm lucky enough to work at a haunted site. after, After being employed there four and a half years, I'm convinced that there is genuine paranormal activity in the three old buildings on our site. So... I don't uh, experience every day, but uh, but there have been times where I've been giving a daytime tour and something has slid across the table or there have been wraps in the wall, wow. unexplained footsteps, and it, it keeps it lively there. <laughs> tourists nice. have seen faces in the window and figures moving about within the old buildings. I'll go inside and there'll be nobody there. And you know they're sincere because, you know, when I'll come back out of the old building and say, no, I didn't find anybody in there, the bottom lip will be trembling. The people who reported this to me, so they're sincere about it. People do. You, know, you can be a ghost hunter for 15, 20 years and, and never see an actual apparition. Chances are you will, but you might may not. And yet people on a tour, taking a tour of the facility for the first time, sometimes see a ghost. However, <laughs> however, I did see an apparition in Slater Mill, and it had been some time. I don't, actually, I don't think I'd ever seen an actual ghost at Slater Mill, I've heard voices and unexplained footsteps until last Friday, September 17th in the early evening. I and someone else witnessed a vaporous form, but vaguely human form in one of the old mills. And I know it wasn't uh, water vapor or anything like that because it was stable for a time and then suddenly it wasn't there. And because this other person described the same thing, that corroborated what I saw. So I knew it was authentic. Check out how bizarre this is, all right? So that happened last Friday? Last Friday, the 17th, yes. Last Friday, the 17th, I was helping out on a, on a graveyard investigation uh, for uh, the Hill, Hilldale Cemetery, and I met a ghost hunting group there, mm-hmm. and they told me, the name of the group, in fact, is called Ghosts, that they were going to be doing an investigation at the Slater Mill with Kyle Johnson, which I just gave contact for to come on the radio show. So how bizarre is that? Oh my! You know, wow. especially in the realm of paranormal investigation and research, I think it, just the nature of this field, this endeavor, it strikes a resonant chord. So uh, it brings together people through some form of synchronicity. It, um, like if if somebody has a, an acute experience with paranormal research, chances are that someone else in another group is experiencing something similar. Hmm. I, I just find that that is borne out time and time again. And somehow people are drawn together with this common interest. Uh, I think that's so interesting. People. You know, you've had the experience. You've been in it for so many years, and as, as well as myself. And, uh, you know, we see that stuff, and, and we'll tell other people, and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's coincidence, whatever. But it's, you know, it's not, because you know through all your years of experience, this crap happens. It does indeed, yeah. It's alarming frequency sometimes. I mean, synchronicity, you know, when you think about it, synchronicity, and that is the term that was coined, coined by pioneer psychotherapist Carl Gustav Jung. Uh, it means uh, some causal effect that draws together seemingly unrelated uh, events. Like the coincidences between the president's Lincoln and Kennedy assassinations, just to name one example. Mm-hmm. Um my life is, especially since I've become more involved with paranormal research, I, I swim through synchronicity. There are always these seem bizarre coincidences happening. 
What they mean in the long run, I don't know, but there's some force that does draw us together. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating. I uh, actually, um, well, whatever for a second, but uh, you know, back to Rhodey again, where we were a little sure. bit getting into that because I, I find that kind of fascinating, and and that seems to be your. Uh, oh, well, you actually have some TV appearances coming up too, which we're going to talk about in a second. But yeah. uh, in in the Rhodey thing now. Uh, you don't, for instance, you you wouldn't set up like a base camp when you when you go search for, or, or do you, or do you rely more on like game cameras and that type of stuff? Oh, both, both actually. Uh, it's when I can get the team together, assemble the team of. Uh, it's kind of the the best elements of several paranormal investigative groups that I've uh, I've drawn upon, and um, we, we've gone out on what I call the expeditions and. Uh, document, take as many pictures as we can, uh, look for evidence. And uh, it, we can't be out there for too long because uh, the area we've been researching is uh, on the edge of watershed property. So while it's all right for us to go hiking around there for limited periods, I don't think we could get away with doing an overnight there. Mm-hmm. But right. um, it, it's just fascinating that uh, other people have reported seeing this kind of Bigfoot-like creature Along this road, in in this near the Cumberland watershed, uh, and they describe the same thing. And then I, I have another account. I know somebody who's uh, who doesn't really believe in spirits or paranormal investigation. He says uh, people see what they want to see, but when you broach the subject of his encounter with a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, he and his cousin saw together uh-huh. in broad daylight. Uh-huh. He says, "No, I know what I saw. It was there." And he describes it in vivid detail. <laughs> and, and his description is identical to Dina's. It's wow. Like, wow, in so many points, they're just uh, right on. Mm-hmm. And, and you said Dina is with you right now, isn't she? Dina is with me, yes. I'm going to attempt to uh, put her on the phone, get her to say hi. She and, and we would like to hear starting, Okay. But so I don't know how she wants. But let me see. She's very busy with that chat room right now. Let me <laughs> yes, see she if is. I can just put her on. <laughs> Dina, dear. Somebody wants to say hello to you. Here's the telephone, honey. Here it is. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Dina. Hi. Hi. How are you guys tonight? Good. Oh, good. I mean, we, we were we were talking to Colin. He was talking. Uh, we were talking about uh, Rhodey and all that stuff. And uh, he kept saying that Dina actually saw him. So I mean, why are we listening to Cal telling us that you saw him when we could have you on telling us what you saw? Well, this is the Carl Johnson episode. <laughs> I don't think so. Not now. Oh, no. Now it's the Dina, Dina show. <laughs> well, basically, <laughs> uh, I was cruising around. It was about in the 80s. I was, I was younger. And we were just cruising around uh, on this road in, in Cumberland. I don't want to say the road because there will be a million people up there. But um, there was four of us in a convertible, and I was the only female and we were just being kids. It's a crazy, windy road. And we decided to pull over and just hang out and talk. And all of a sudden, we all kind of felt something weird. And I could smell something. And we turned around and all looked at the same time and started screaming. Oh, screaming. We saw this huge, huge cryptoid. Type and how thing. close were you? Oh, my goodness, he had to be maybe not even seven feet from me. 
Oh, well. And we were in a convertible at that time, and um, it really scared us. Uh, so we, we're trying to get out of there. I'm trying to duck underneath the seat of the car. And you, you know you can't do that, right? But you think you can at that time. Yeah, right. Tears that were, were crying. I mean, these guys were screaming like little schoolgirls also. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it was it was actually very scary because... You don't run into that every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you oh. see a deer, you see a bear, you see a moose, you know, big deal, right. but you see something like this, and it really scares the wits out of you. Mm-hmm. So um, basically we're flying down this road, and this is a windy road, and we're, we're going fast. We pull a cop over. <laughs> we actually pulled a police officer over. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And said... There's a monster in the woods. We just saw this thing. You've got to go check it out. And, and we're yelling at this cop, and this cop's like, calm down, calm down. I'll go check it out. And he probably thought we were nuts. Yeah. No sobriety <laughs> test, right? And after that, we never spoke of it again, and we never hung out again. It just, I never even talked about it until last year with Carl. Wow. I kept it. In the back of my mind, I'm like, that's where it's going to stay. <laughs> People are going to think I'm crazy. Uh, a Bigfoot Sasquatch in Rhode Island, you know. No, you see that out west, you know, in the Midwest or wherever. But right. Wow. It was, it, was, um, it was terrifying at the time, but I think if I saw him now, I mean, this thing could have hurt us. Carl, the phone's ringing. <laughs> Must it's be my phone guy. Again. The guy from hell. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing is, you know, just seeing something like that, it really does change your life right. in a sense. Now, so how did you, you know, I mean, you I, evidently you're the one that got Kyle into this this research. So, I mean, huh. how did they come up in conversation? Like, oh, by the way, Kyle, did I ever mention back in the 80s I saw Bigfoot? <laughs> I don't know how it came up. No. We were just hanging out, and, yeah. and and it just came up. And I said, I got something I need, I need to confess, you know, confess did, to did, you. Did he I, I you? seen a, a Bigfoot, and I started crying. Oh, and no. I had goosebumps, and he's like, oh, my God. Wow. So, and then he started uh, wanting to do more research, and... And, and, and I really go. didn't want him to do it. I, I'm like, no. Really? Don't put my name involved. I don't want my face on the, on the video. And, you know, I chase ghosts, so, hey, so what? I've seen a Bigfoot, too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh, you're chasing you know. invisible people in the dark. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> how bad is that, you know? Call, right. Calling out their names, you know. Yeah. Hello? Hello? Is there Hello? anybody here that wants to talk to me? <laughs> you know, so how crazy is that? What? Some people think, anyway, but so oh, I, so at this point, I don't care what they think. <laughs> there you go. And that's the way you should be, because you be true to your heart is the most important thing right, in life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, let me ask you, okay, so you are a par- or were a paranormal investigator before you became a Bigfoot researcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't plan on being a Bigfoot researcher. I know. Blame Kyle on that. It just kind of fell on my lap. It happened. It just happened. Bigfoot happened. The synchronicity may have may have happened for a reason. 
right. So anyways, so. Uh, Dina, we want to thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us. And if you could, we'd like to talk to the big guy if he's uh, not talking on the phone. Yeah, the big guy's right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not thank talking you. about Bigfoot. <laughs> it was nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Dina. Thank you. Yeah. All right, hold on one second. Yeah. Hi, Dina Zott just called, so that was a good cue for me to ah. get the phone to her and come back online That was here. perfect. I knew that because I'm psychic, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, Kyle, a couple of things that we were talking about in the, uh, the emails that were sent back for us, is you do sure. have some TV uh, stuff that's coming up, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you want to let us yes, know indeed. what's happening? Okay, well, I will be on uh, actually three programs this autumn, uh, beginning with Saturday's Travel Channel. The Travel Channel will air Most Terrifying Places in America, and that's going to be Saturday, uh, September 25th. I think that's my bedroom. What's that, please? I I think that's my bedroom. (laughs) Most Terrifying Places (laughs) in America. Oh, yeah. The Dark Side. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But they're going to, before they expose your bedroom, they're going to show uh, historic Slater Mill in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Uh, I was interviewed, as, as was Dina, for this special. And that's going to be broadcast Saturday, September 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I'll actually be working the uh, ghost tours. That's a program I designed and uh, started at Slater Mill. Um, and uh, so I, hopefully I'll see it when it's rebroadcast or someone Dina's aunt will record it for us. Um, but I'll, I'll be working the ghost tours that night. But Saturday, the 25th, September 25th, will be Most Terrifying Places in America at Slater Mill. Oh, wow. And, uh, you cool. know, t- talking about the hauntings, and we think we caught a ghost on the film while they were, uh, while they were recording. <laughs> I hope they edit that in and don't just think it's a photographic glitch, you know, but uh, we think we caught a ghost at the time. Then my two other autumn appearances will be on The Animal Planet, The Haunted, documenting how animals respond to paranormal influence. And uh, uh, the episode I'm going to be in is called The Demon Light, at least that's their working title, and that's going to be uh, 10-10-10 at 10. Nice. O- October 10th. At 10 p.m. Love so, that. The date 10, 10, 10, and that, that's how I remember it. <laughs> so, and I will also be on the season finale episode of The Haunted on Animal Planet, and that's going to be broadcast on November 28th at 10 p.m. Cool. Uh, right. And and that one is called Necromansion, unless they change. Oh, the we were Necro- talking about that, Ann, weren't we? Ooh. Necromansion, yes. <laughs> and, yeah, and on the Slater Mill episode of the the Travel Channel's Most Terrifying Places in America, and the ten 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 at ten episode of Animal Planet, uh, the Haunted, you'll see Dina on that as well. Okay, and and that's all going to be on your site as well. As all, yes, right? I'm going to be announcing all of those. Okay, very cool. Now let, let me ask you this: uh, the Slater Mill, I assume it's open at night since you're doing ghost tours here at time, right? Only by reservation. Uh, people can actually uh, embark on a paranormal investigation of the old site with, with a reservation. They have to arrange that beforehand, but it's, uh, uh-huh. they can't just walk in and investigate right, right. the site. Mm-hmm. Ex- except uh, for the uh, ghost tours. This is a, these are actually public paranormal investigations to, let, to allow people to experience the, the rudiments of a paranormal investigation, those who want to become involved. And it's a... Uh, it's it's more than a haunted walk. It's actually actual paranormal investigative procedure. 
and that's open from, uh, it started actually last weekend, and will go Fridays and Saturdays right until October 30th. Mm-hmm. And I'll be directing most of those. Keith is actually involved in this. And, uh, oh, wow. Keith, Keith and I are lucky to be able to work together sometimes at Slater Mill, but some of those ghost tours Keith will be directing, some of them I will be with uh, other tour guides with our assistance. So, so let me ask you this, Kyle. What do you think sure. of uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, broadcasting from Slater Mill? Uh-huh. I, oh, I'm very receptive to that idea. In fact, I could help to arrange that and facilitate your broadcasting from there because the way Slater Mill is set up, I mean, it is an actual old mill. The Slater Mill proper was built and open in 1793, and that was the seat of the American Industrial Revolution, and it is named for Mr. Samuel Slater who came here from England and brought that water-powered spinning technology uh, over from England. And uh, that's where it all began in the beginning of the factory system in this country. So the way the mill is set up is it has uh, two main levels, and upstairs is a conference room, and that could be used as headquarters for broadcasting. So the, the site would be conducive to, to broadcasting from there. Uh, please consider that. Do come uh, into Slater Mill and... Uh, I'll I, I assume we, we probably should do this after Halloween, right? Well, probably. If you're going to do it on a weekend, then it would be. Oh, well, actually, if well, you're going I, to be broadcasting we, we do during it, the week. If we do a live broadcast, it would be. Um, it would be on a Wednesday night Wednesday at 7. Wednesday night, right. Yeah. Wednesday night if, at 7, if, like we're doing tonight. Yeah, we right. could arrange if, that. If we do a, a pre recorded broadcast, which Ann and I will be dabbling with. Uh, uh, video as well, um, then we can do that anytime. Mm-hmm. Well, Wednesday nights at Slater Mill are usually free. I mean, of course, I would have to check the schedule of for course, booking of course. and make sure nothing's going on because they do have events uh, during the evenings, um, weeknights sometimes. Well, but anyways, it, we're actually wasting a lot of your time talking <laughs> about this. So. <laughs> uh, I know we're running out of time as it is. but I uh, keep thinking Kyle, it's a two-hour uh, show, you know? Yeah, well, that's another story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) It should be, it should be. But, uh, Kyle, I mean, you've been doing this for so many years. What have you found to be the most fascinating thing that you've run across yourself, your own personal experience? Oh. Fascinating. I didn't say scary. I didn't say whatever. I just said fascinating to you. It can be scary. It can be humorous. It can be whatever. Um. Turning around and seeing a ghost standing in front of me. Okay, you want to tell us the circumstances that was? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was at. Uh, well, it's it's happened several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might you might think it happened almost on a weekly or monthly basis with what I'm involved in, but uh, right. no, it's it's rare. But uh, turning around and seeing a ghost there, because so many things will go through your mind when that happens. There's the rational part of your mind which is analyzing it, and that's kind of putting it aside, like you know, okay, I'm gonna. Remember as much of this experience as I possibly can, uh, so I can go over it in my mind and say, could I, you know, what what else could have caused this? You know, was it a hallucination? Or, and there's also this terror you feel on a certain level because you're looking at something from a different world, and as soon as your mind mind recon, reconciles to what you're seeing, you realize you're looking essentially at a dead person who's looking back at you, <laughs> and uh, so that. So many things go through my mind, and I'm sure other people's mind when they have this experience, that I would say that's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking at something, and you're trying to remember everything you can about it, and usually 
trying to get the camera into focus in time and take the picture. (laughs) What I find is it's gone by the time you get that picture aimed. Sometimes you hit the jackpot and get something uh, amorphous, some blur in in the... uh, in the camera image, but uh, just turning around and seeing something you didn't expect to say, there's the ghost. And I'm talking about within the span of less than half a second, your mind will go through this processing. Like, I'm seeing something. It's a person standing there. Why are they standing here? Wait a minute. That person is not supposed to be here. I might be looking at a ghost. I am looking at a ghost. Oh, it's gone. (laughs) Did anybody else see it? (laughs) And that's the process. And to me, that's pretty fascinating. What your mind will do when you're looking at something uncanny like that. And it's a wondrous feeling. It is kind of scary because it's something out of the ordinary and unpredictable. But uh, it's unlikely that it's something that could actually do you any physical harm and uh, just startling. And actually, that fear doesn't set in right away because when you're looking at a ghost, generally it's an experience of several seconds that seem protracted, but not not very long span of time. And the analytic part of my mind starts taking over, like, I've got to memorize this, everything about this that I can remember, because I'm going to be telling other people about it. I'm going to try and make this sound real, because it's a genuine experience. And just to turn around and see a ghost, and in my experience, they look so solid, and Mm -hmm. just like people, until they vanish. (laughs) Carl, I hate to tell you, but we have to wrap it up now. Oh, we can't go to two hours? Oh, no, I'm afraid not. Kyle, it's been fascinating. We, we, we would love to have you back again. We, we definitely got to talk to you about doing a broadcast from Slater Mill. Uh, I think that would be absolutely fascinating if I could yes. drag Carrigan with me. I don't know, though. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'll be there. Please bring her along. So we, we want to thank you so much, Kyle, and, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on, and, and Deanna and as well. So uh, we will yep. be in touch. Once again, please it's Beyond the Veil Paranormal. And Beyond the Veil Paranormal. Thank you, Kyle. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow, that was good. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, now it's time for another episode of Beyond Bizarre. Okay. Joined by the sternum, connected at the heart. These days, most Siamese twins have the option of attempting surgical separation at birth. But back in the early 1800s, there wasn't a choice for two guys born joined at the hip. Chang and Eng Bunker were the original sideshow Siamese twins, and they were actually joined at the sternum by a piece of cartilage. Their livers were fused together, but each organ worked independently. The Changs developed a killer business model, traveling the world to put themselves on exhibition. They finally settled down in North Carolina, of all places, and adopted the surname Bunker. They bought slaves, set up a farm, and even got married to two sisters born and raised in North Carolina. For a time, the twins and their wives all shared a bed made for four, but the sisters were prone to bickering, and soon two separate households were set up. The brothers would alternate three nights a week at each home, during which time they were apparently very busy. Chang's wife had 10 children, and Aang's wife had 11. The story of Chang and Aang's death is rather touching. Chang contracted pneumonia and died suddenly in his sleep. Rather than undergo an emergency separation from his dead brother, Aang stepped by Chang's side and passed away three hours after his brother. The twin liver is preserved in a museum in Pennsylvania. A hauntingly true tale from Varla Ventura's new book, Beyond Bizarre. 
Available now wherever books are sold. How many kids? Yeah, they were busy, all right. Watch TV. <laughs> anyways, that was a great show. It just flew by. Anyways, and the two great features. Next next week we roll out uh, cemetery tripping, and uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Very good. Very awesome. Yeah, I do want to uh, mention one thing though. That uh, next Monday night I will be at the Wyndham Restaurant in Wyndham, New Hampshire, for another uh, dining with the dead. In fact, uh, I will be. Uh, looking into, well, I actually be talking about my new book, uh, Ghost of Day, and we'll be showing some videos and some of the pictures that uh, not are not in the book, actually. So it'd be kind of cool. Uh, so if you can go to our website, which is any, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, that's any ghostproject.com, and get more information. And also, this Halloween will be at the, uh, with the Saturday night, we will be at the. Uh, in Magnolia and Gloucester, which will be a blast. So, Excellent. anyways, it's another showdown on tubes. All right. Great night. So, uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. I just, it was a great show. It was uh, wonderful to finally talk to God bless. All right. Good night. From ghoulies to ghosties. Now, there is a show that boldly claims that it can help you reveal where you are on your spiritual path. It's The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie